0: Back to entertain you, Garen Emig and Bill Haston, Tulsa World Sports Columnist, uh, thanking you, first of all, for uh, watching us on TulsaWorld.com and listening to us in podcast form via Apple, Spotify, and Google. Be sure to uh, download our, our productions every week. We'll crank them out at the Tulsa World. Bill and I do one. Um, Eli Letterman and I do one on the Cowboys. We've got one with Eric Bailey and the Sooners. We've got High School Sports Recast, TU with Bryce McInnes, and all sorts of of other uh, tidbits out of the newsroom bill for our purposes i thought we might since uh, it's still fresh and i think a lot of uh, listeners and, and viewers minds recap your favorite moments of super bowl 56 you want to start with the game the ads or the halftime show
1: um <laughs> uh the halftime show a lot of chatter on social media about it as there always is uh, I thought it was fine. I thought it was really good, actually, and you know it was funny too. I saw from a lot of people. I won't rat anybody out, but about <laughs> how they brought in these dinosaurs, you know, who were in their prime 25 years ago, and da da And I'm like, how many times have we seen rock and roll acts who yeah. haven't had a, a hit on the charts in 35 years, and they do the Super Bowl halftime? It was. It, I, I thought the halftime show was cool. In fact, I would say that the halftime show has been pretty consistently good for a while now. Lady Gaga yes. killed it the weekend, a guy I'd never even heard of until two weeks before the halftime show. He had a great performance. Um, you know, Katy Perry I wasn't too fired up about, but but I, I thought the, I thought the uh, collection of people the other night was really good. Beats anyway. up with people. <laughs> from the, from well, yeah. well, remember the 70s. <laughs> You know, I was reminded that the very first Super Bowl, the halftime performance, which is great, actually, because I've seen them before, is was the Grambling Band.
0: Oh, and, that would work.
1: Yeah. In fact, the Grambling Band, single-handedly, was the reason there was like 55,000 at Boone Pickens that night. Because, obviously, the, the game itself was a mismatch, but the gr- presence of the Grambling Band, which o- o- OSU paid for, to have them there. Yeah. Uh, Enticed a lot of people to go to the game, and they were great. They were really good. But I was cool with the halftime show. The ads, I didn't honestly pay much attention to it. I was riding all night. Uh, The Colin Joes, Scarlett Johansson piece was kind of funny. Uh, um, I don't remember any instant classics, though. I don't remember Joe Green tossing a jersey to a kid kind of moments. Uh, so I, I just haven't heard that much chatter about the commercials. Yeah. I don't know. Was there one? Was there a hidden gem that I?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I didn't. My my fa- I wrote this in the uh, in the uh, the blog that became a uh, a printed blog in the in the uh, Tuesday World. That, that my favorite ad was actually a movie trailer because I'm so big on Jordan Peele that I I couldn't I can't wait to see his uh, his third movie now that I've seen the trailer for Nope. That that was uh, that came out during the Super Bowl. I think they released it actually on uh, on his off his social media account Sunday morning. So spoiler, I did I had seen it, but uh, I imagine a lot of the viewing public hadn't until the Super Bowl. Um, no, it was fine. That ads. I mean, the cool thing about the Super Bowl is that you stick around even between. Uh, be, it's one of the few times you don't get frustrated over the lack over the number of commercials that interrupt the the,
1: the, the sport, right? Because you want to see what's going on, so. That, My that was- favorite commercial in recent years probably was the steven Tyler car commercial, where he got as today's steven Tyler got into who's seventy something years old now, and he gets into a car on a racetrack, shows it in reverse, and drives like two hundred miles an hour in reverse around yeah. the track, yeah. and when yeah. he gets out. He's gone back in time to twenty-two-year-old Stephen Tyler, and he gets yeah. out of the car. And of course, did you see the LeBron talking to LeBron?
0: Yeah, that was that was okay. That was it was fun. sort of
1: like yeah, yeah. It was sort of like that with Stephen Tyler. I thought yeah. that was a cool commercial. But but nothing the other night. And I would look up just to see if something was sure. Flashy, you know, and it was usual the usual dogs eating Doritos. Kind of stuff. <laughs> nah, the game itself. I don't know. I mean, in the moment, some people. Uh, Hailed it as a classic. Come on, man. It, it had an interesting finish, but not a classic. No. NFL was kind of a victim to its own recent amazement. Amazing games, you know, uh, Kansas City-Buffalo. I mean, there's no way you were going to have a Super Bowl on that level. No way. I mean, the, the law of averages... Suggested that the NFL was due for a fairly average game, and we got an average game with a decent finish.
0: I was rooting for the that's what I was started to root for, Bill. As the game went on, was the finish. Uh, went in as we talked about last week, went in pulling for the Bengals just because of Zach Taylor, a guy that I used to cover when he was in high school. Uh, and, and they were a great story. I mean, out of nowhere comes this, this remarkable Cinderella run, and you know, I'm, I'm in the borough. I thought, I think he's, he's, he's okay. Uh, and then as the more the game wore on, uh, and since we've been used to spectacular finishes, we've been spoiled by these NFL playoffs, that's kind of – whoever had the ball, I was just hoping they'd go down and score just so we'd have some drama down the stretch of the game. So, yeah, I'm like you. I was I, I thought it was a good game just because it was dramatic. Um, upon reflection, I, it's interesting. I thought because Donald, Aaron Donald made the two obviously decisive plays there at the end that that he might get the MVP without realizing what Cooper Cup had done over the course of the game. On even further review, I actually think that maybe Matt Stafford deserved MVP uh, for putting the ball where Coop, uh, Cooper Cup could catch it, especially during that game-winning drive. And even that, you know, if you're going to scoff at the two interceptions, well, one was a drop and the other one was a play that uh, he was trying to make something happen with a deep ball into the end zone. I didn't think his receiver was um, Jefferson. I think on the throw, yeah, I thought he could have made a more competitive play at the at the fifty fifty ball. So I, not that Stafford cares, not that the Rams and their legion of fans care, but I, I actually thought maybe he uh, he might have gotten uh, might have gotten a, the hall there as, as MVP.
1: I don't know if if Cooper Cup won it by one vote. Over one or both of the others, right? Really a split, close vote. I don't know, but you know they did lose Beckham and did. You know, typically you've got two really dependable go-to guys on one on each side of the field. You lose Beckham and Cooper Cup. That last drive, that that do-or-die drive, he was amazing. He was great. So I mean, I didn't have an issue with it, but but I could have. I would have been happy for. Donald to get it, or certainly for Matt Stafford. To get it. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've liked Matt Stafford uh, since he was at Georgia, actually. Uh, saw him play against Oklahoma State when he was at Georgia. And I, I was dazzled then. And, and he's been a nice pro in a bad situation for a long time. So happy for him to get out of Detroit, go to the Rams. Now you've got, uh, in consecutive Super Bowls, home teams, yeah, literal home teams winning in their home venue. Uh, winning championships. So, um, and now we get into the weird offseason with the Aaron Rodgers drama and the Kyler Murray drama now and the, uh, you know, uh, who knows what the Cowboys will do. Um, Although the Cowboys have already scored a victory by keeping Dan Quinn. That's right. (laughs) Big time uh, score for Dallas. And, you know, so now the NFL takes – Fifteen-minute break and gets and starts the draft machine and the draft propaganda. So (laughs) we go with the uh, the NFL never takes a break. No, no, takes a break. Cardinals host next year, don't they? If we're looking for a a
0: a third straight team winning on the home field, I think that doesn't uh, Phoenix host Glendale? Is that right next year? I think so. I think that's right. Um, What about the Cowboys trading Prescott to the Cardinals straight up for Kyler Murray?
1: Uh, um, Would I do it? Man, you know, I, I heard a a show early this morning and they were, there was some chatter about what could you get back for Kyler Murray now that he and the Cardinals are apparently at odds. And one guy did actually mention Dak and it before that, I hadn't thought about it straight up a slightly younger Kyler Murray who has a pretty amazing history in that stadium, at and I mean, right. Oh man. You know, I've seen enough of Dak to know that I just don't trust him to get it done in the most important moments, but I haven't seen enough of Kyler to know that he can, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? In January games, but would I make that deal? Just for the sake of seeing Kyler Murray in a a Dallas uniform? Throwing to CeeDee Lamb? Yeah, I'd do it. Mm -hmm. What what do you get? It's just football, man. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've really got me thinking about it, um, yeah, I'd make that trade. Yeah. And how does Kyler Murray perform behind that offensive line? When intact is really good. That's true.
0: That's right. Yeah, we could see it. We'll we'll see. Um, all right, college hoops. I don't think there's a lot going on in college football wise. We covered it. We covered the latest last week uh, with regard to the invites to the combine from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Um, I mean, there was the, the lure of the uh, the alumni in the in the Super Bowl. Mixon played well. P Ryan did in his two opportunities. Got stuffed twice. That wasn't a good look. Right. Uh, d- didn't see much of Trey Flowers or Obo Okoronkwo two wild cards on, on the defense of those, those two teams. So um, let's go to college basketball for just a second. I, I watched both uh, the games in Lawrence. Saturday it was Oklahoma uh, playing the Jayhawks tight before losing late. Oklahoma State uh, never really in the game last night on Big Monday. Um, they'll be playing, I think, a week from Saturday in Norman. We, we know, I mean, OSU situation is self-explanatory. They're, you know, they're, they're just playing for themselves and to, to come out with a with an, a record that's over 500, the Sooners are still very much in the running for an NCAA tournament berth. Um, I, I just, I, as much as I'd like to, Bill, because it's not like the Thunder have our attention that much in the NBA anymore, as much as I'd like to really get into... Um, O, Ou and OSU basketball, uh, I, it's still a little hard. I think Oklahoma doesn't have the roster to to quite capture our attention just yet under Porter Moser in his first year. And Oklahoma State just hasn't shaken. It seems the funk from that uh, that that appeals uh, committee bomb that was dropped right before the season started. Where are you on this?
1: Uh, well, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a transition season in Norman. And the roster next year uh, will look, a, of course, you could say this now about every program in the country, but the roster next season in Norman will look a lot different. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you explain like one game, Gibson going one for 11 from the field and the next game, he's got 30 or whatever. I mean, there's a great inconsistency. Right. Um, they just do not have the pieces yet. Uh did I hear right last night that Bill Self is now 35-0 and all time? I didn't know that. Yeah, I heard the big same thing. Monday, big Monday home games, 35 That's nuts. That's nuts. You're right. I mean, you would think a couple of times somebody sneaks in there, good A&M teams back in the day or, or the Longhorns or the Cowboys. Um, now, wait a minute. Okay, never mind. The Marcus Smart backflip Oklahoma State victory at Allen Fieldhouse in 2013. But that was a saturday game so i think so. i think it was yeah uh well, that's an amazing stat though um uh, but yeah but oklahoma state uh garen if you do a deep dive on the NCAA statistics board in various categories offensively always choose terrible they're awful and shooting percentages and sharing the ball and and uh, efficiency numbers and they're just awful and, and i I think this is about the third podcast in a row I've mentioned that I just don't think they have – where they had last year an elite facilitator in Cunningham Mm -hmm. this year. They don't have one. They just don't have a central figure who takes charge of the offense and makes things happen and makes everybody better. And, and, um, you know, are they playing the wrong guy in likely at the point or do they just not have that guy now? Yeah. I don't don't know because we rarely – do you see an extended run for one of the other guys running the point? So I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more inclined to, to blame um, personnel, the composition of the roster, and the way they're being used more than I am the heartache of, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, really, in the heat of the moment. When you're out there in front of 9,000 people and you're warming up before the game and you know you're on TV Uh, are you really going to harken back to an announcement that happened four months ago? Right. Surely not. I mean, the moment, there's value in the moment, right? Show up and play and play better and play hard. And, but if you do show up and show and and play better and play hard, do you still, do they have enough guarantee to beat most of the teams in the big 12? See, I just don't think they do. I think they got some nice pieces. I do. C, S, -S 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 A, and, Caleb Boone should be a formidable combination for, and a really tough matchup for just about everybody in the league. But uh when you got offensive spacing as lousy as theirs is on a lot of occasions and and you just not get them getting those guys the ball often enough where they need to have the ball. Uh, it's just it's you know I mean here we are now just be on Valentine's Day and and the Sooners, Cowboys, and TU are combined 11 and 30 in conference play. Ouch. And that's why, you know, now I am one of the people watching the Thunder every night. Uh, and, and Trey man, the, the rookie from Florida, Garen, he's really good. And, and Giddy has been good from opening day. Sure. So this is the first time they've scored with two players in the draft, two guys in the same draft. Really, since Harden and Ibaka, uh, that's 2010. Uh, so the Thunder are slowly developing. They've got four keepers now. That's the start. That they've got four cornerstone guys they can build around. They got. They just got to get better uh, in the paint. They got to get a couple of bigs who can play. Mm-hmm. But they're they are taking baby steps, and they beat the Knicks. You know, last night in the Garden uh, in overtime. Uh, the Knicks aren't any good, but, you know, they got it done, and they're fun to watch. ORU is the only uh, team in the state, you know, it's all relative in the Summit League, but, I mean, ORU is 11-3 in their league now, and um, it looks like it's going to be a showdown at the end between them and South Dakota State for a shot at the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting when they get to their conference tournament in South Dakota. You brought up to you. I did want to backtrack to your Sunday piece
0: in the world. On it was a, a column recognizing uh, Legends Night at the arena with uh, members of past teams and uh, introduced and recognized. You, you, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit last week. But now that you presented the column, you, you your conversation with Gary Collier and uh, and Eric Coley, right? You talked to Eric as well. Yes. And. I thought it was an interesting juxtaposition between those glory days and what we have now happening at the uh, at the Reynolds Center. Uh, T U played really well that night, beat beat a team they probably shouldn't be beating in Cincinnati. It sent, uh, the hurricane since slumped back, lost to UCF uh, Monday night, and so that's what two conference wins for this version of T U basketball. And uh, it wasn't so much a commentary on oh, the style of play, or, or uh, you didn't you didn't drag the, uh, Frank Hay through the mud on anything necessarily, but you, the points made about attendance. It's shocking. Tell, tell the story, Tell that tells the story that needs to be told as to where, where T U basketball is right now.
1: Right. Um, I was thinking about this, you know, when when T U was zero and seven in the American. They're now two two and 11, but when they were 0 and 7, I remember thinking, if this happened 10 years ago, uh, people would be throwing a fit. Mm -hmm. I mean, there would be a real response to 0 and 7, And, and when they were 0 and 7, I didn't hear a thing from anybody, which is worse than having people throw a fit, because apathy is hard to overcome, Right. and so here they are now, 2 and 11. Uh, they called the attendance the other night 3,400 and that's tickets that were out. 3,400 tickets were out. The official, the actual attendance, our photographer and I agreed was about 1,500. Um, I've been to a couple, I've been to maybe what, six or seven games this season. And for at least two of them, I know the attendance wasn't even 500. Uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, in light of the fact that, you know, um, TU fired a coach 10 years ago, almost 10 years exactly ago, uh, and stated attendance as being, honestly, at that time, it was kind of the number one reason. uh, The AD at the time said basketball is expected to be a revenue generator, and and the program isn't moving the needle in the community now. And the attendance average at that time was 4,400. And it was a legit 4,400, half of the capacity. And now uh, the actual attendance average, my estimate would be probably it's about 1,300 a game. And so what happens after the season? I don't know. Frank's got one year left on his contract. Uh, One more season after this on his contract. And uh, But there are... they don't have enough talent to compete in the American. And they've got a stretch of four road games now, three more coming up. So you're looking down the barrel of two and 14, uh, unless they can have a magic night here or there, make shots. But uh, Anthony Pritchard, freshman from Webster, is a really nice player, Garen. And he's, he's definitely a keeper and a cornerstone guy. But uh, man, they just, uh, they, they lack weaponry and firepower and, and it's just not a very good team. And, but it's tough, man. It's, you know, to have, to have been there so many nights uh, after the Reynolds Center opened when there were 8,000 there. I mean, it was the first five seasons in that building, there were 35 sellouts. Right. Which is an interesting stat. And, and then the next 19 seasons, There have been five sellouts combined. So um, I know college basketball has attendance issues across the board, and I know OU is hoping for a legit, you know, nine or 10,000 tonight for the Texas game. That is tonight, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, um, at OSU, uh, basketball attendance has been an issue for several years and, and to be honest, college basketball tickets are overpriced. They're ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. And so there's a lot that needs to get fixed in college basketball. Uh, and we would both run out of battery power on our laptops if we <laughs> went into college basketball in a deep way. But, um, but yeah, it's it's, you know, and the guys who came back, Gary Collier and Pooh Williamson and and. Uh, Eric Coley, and David Shelton. It was awesome to see David Shelton. What do you, I heard him say he owns three nightclubs in Cincinnati now. Hmm. He was really torn as to whether to go to the Super Bowl to watch the Bengals because he's a huge Bengals fan or come back here. And he said he had committed to this long before he ever realized or long before that he believed that the Bengals had a shot even at the Super Bowl. So he was here and, and all those guys – In the president's suite and you look around and you think, oh, Lou Dawkins, big shot Lou Mm -hmm. Dawkins, you know, and it's like, man, these teams used to be so much fun to watch. They were so good. They were a bunch of two and three star type kids that were just, you know, Tubby coached the heck out of them and Bill Self coached the heck out of them and look what they did. Mm -hmm. And they won 11 NCAA tournament games, 10 years went to the sweet 16 twice went to the elite elite 8 one time and now it's been 19 years since Tulsa won a game in the NCAA tournament and TU just has to decide what the standard is now yeah is it was that 10 year run in 94 through 03 garen was that a fluke or is that the standard that you should hold this program to every year and expect not necessarily the sweet 16 but expect you know Twenty-something victories in a really competitive fun team that pulls five or six thousand every night. Yeah. What is the standard now? They got to decide that. Yeah, well, it's it's there's a sort of a sad commentary in that.
0: In that, when Tu hired Doug Wojcik once upon a time, you could still claim that standard, right, uh, for Tu basketball. Mm. Well, then when he left and Hay took over, it was a little harder to claim that standard because of the, the, the staleness of the Wojcik era. Whoever, whenever Haith is replaced by whoever that is, I'm not, yeah, you can't define that standard any longer because it's been so long. And that's uh, that's a a sad commentary. The other thing I'd say about this is that, I mean, to you fans, it's not like they're checking back into football. I mean, for all the good things that the last couple of years that have been done over at uh, Chapman Stadium with regard to football, they still can't draw flies, Bill. I mean, they they don't have any. There's no interest in TU football. There just isn't. Um, they're they succeeding in spite of that. Right. The difference in TU basketball not drawing and TU football is there's a there is a comparison. Uh, yeah. That place. I mean, people still for those who want to hang on to the standard by by your definition, they'll still hold Nolan Richardson over the head of the current state of affairs. Remember then. I'm not that. I don't think that's ever happening again. That that really was once in a, in, a, in a lifetime but you can expect at least the, the place to be half full and to sound more than half full yeah. that, it wasn't that long ago that it occurred uh and uh, it's not like bill self's in a retirement home you can still recall when he had it rolling on the heels of so many others who did and so that becomes the issue for basketball There there's something that you it's that's conveniently latched onto when you see just how empty that arena is versus how empty that football stadium is because you really don't have can't reach back into football and say remember then but you can in hoops yeah. and that that makes it worse
1: right but even i mean to you since 03 or 04 in football there was a 10 win season in um uh, 07 a 10 win season in 08, a 10 win season in 2012, a 10 win season in 2016, and sprinkled in there are some seven win and eight win, a couple of nines, I think, but also some two and tens and some you know, right. three nines. So, TU has been the ultimate roller coaster program in football with regard to success. But you know what? The, the, the one constant has been the attendance. You said it. I'll never forget the 2012 season when I was on the beat. They had a bigger crowd that season, Garen, for a non-conference game against Nichols State in September than they had for the Conference USA Championship game against UCF. Wow. Yes. Explain. Explain that. Remember they beat Notre Dame in 2010? And then next week they had a home game, and I don't remember the opponent. But they had just beaten Notre Dame in South Bend. (laughs) And a week later, they had like the smallest crowd of the year. Hmm. And I think maybe Jimmy was on the beat at that time. I can't, no, no, Eric was on the beat, of course. And, uh, but we were expecting, you know, maybe 25,000 people there to watch a TU team that had just won in South Bend. And there, and there was like 14,000 people or something. So TU football attendance has always been baffling. And when I was on the beat, I never, I mean, it could be 72 degrees and no clouds and no wind and you'd have 12,000 people. And mm-hmm. then another game you'd think, uh, ain't going to be anybody here tonight, and then it'd be a bigger crowd by TU standards. It'd be 17,000 or something. So, um, TU football. But I, I also believe, too, there, there's – and I mentioned this in the basketball column, that Tubby's teams uh, – Tubby's – First, Sweet 16 team, and for that matter, his both of his Sweet 16 teams were loaded with Oklahoma kids, the roster, yeah. Uh, loaded. I mean, uh, Shay Seals and Pooh Williamson and Kwanzaa Johnson and Jay, uh, Jeff Malum, and uh, forgetting a couple, Ray Poindexter in '95, and whose daughter's on the TU basketball team now, and then uh. And then Bill's team, good grief. Uh, Dante Swanson from Wagner, Marcus Hill from Booker T, uh, Antonio Reed from Booker T, a uh, bu- 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 bunch of kids. Anyway, uh, and, and so now over an eight-year period for TU to have signed only one Oklahoma high school athlete, that's Anthony Pritchard. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I'm, I am amazed Especially now that I saw so much high school football this last football season, uh, I'm amazed that Tu doesn't more aggressively recruit Tulsa County because mm-hmm. players everywhere. Jack Puckett at Bixby, a linebacker at Bixby. I don't know that he even got a look for Tu, and you you want me to believe he couldn't help Tulsa? Oh, he he's he's one of the best players. He's one of the best players I've ever seen in Tulsa. Uh, uh, just the most clutch kid and never misses a tackle. And you think, why in the world would Tulsa not want this guy? Um, I see guys like that all the time. And and in basketball, to a lesser extent, because there's not as many of them. Uh, but uh, I do think it would help to you to have more of a of an Oklahoma identity on their basketball. I mean, the women that to you, like half or two-thirds of them, women's roster we have on a pretty good team are from Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and of course they're not drawn very well either but um, I do think it would help the men's basketball program and football to have a few more I mean if you're going to roll the dice on a three-star kid from East Texas go get that same kid from Tulsa County and they're going to develop the same you're going to get the same player except you might put eight or ten or 15 more butts in the seats if if the kid is from Uh, you know, Tulsa or Tulsa area than from East Texas. Hmm. I've been, I've been grousing about that for years. (laughs) But especially now that I have a better feel for the, for the depth of talent in this, in this market. And you just see that kid could play for Tulsa and that kid too. And Bixby alone, there's probably eight kids, uh, in the senior and junior classes coming up, who could play at Tulsa? You can see how many of them end up there. Well, uh, Bixby's I- loaded. Garrett, real quick on Bixby. All right, so Braylon Presley's done. Amazing career he's done. They're not going anywhere. I, would make I don't Bixby, imagine. I would put Bixby right now as the favorite to win 6A1 next year. And the jinx people will say, Yeah, okay. And Owasso, when I asked Bill Blankenship months ago about I said, I haven't even asked you about to react to Bixby moving to 6A1. And Bill said, Welcome to the SEC. And <laughs> a great quote. And I've used it like twice already, and I'm sure I'll use it again. But uh, but I'm telling you, man, Bixby is a machine. Uh,
0: I'm just glad they're at 6A1, man. That's all I, I at least all ah, right. Well, at least there's something halfway interesting about their games now. Maybe I, I assume. I assume that Union Wasso and Jinx Broken Arrow can, can make can at least get to halftime and have people care about what happens after that outside well, of parents.
1: Right. The difference is like in 6A2, most of their opponents have 10, 12, maybe 15 pretty good players. Right. And then in 6A1, Jinx, Union, those uh, Owasso Wasso BA, those teams probably have 25 pretty good players. That's the difference. Yeah. And I'm not saying Bixby has a hundred pretty good players. I'm well, just I, saying I know what you're saying. But the combination of Bixby being so unbelievably well coached—how did we get off on high school football? I'm, I have completely twisted this up. It's Oklahoma so, man, you're always, it's know, back to man. football. Right. <laughs> uh, but Bixby <laughs> is so well coached, and that community is so committed to football. And that you could, you know, you'd say, "Well, what does that look like?" I'm telling you. I, they they're off season, you know. I should go, I should go right about what they do in the off-season because it is grueling. It's like Jerry Schmidt first year at OU grueling all the time. And they and you know why they do it? Because they like those championships, and because they know if they don't show up for those workouts, the guy behind them will take right. their job. And but even without a Presley, now they do have a Presley coming in next year as a ninth grader. Braden Presley, but um, this will be the first time in a few years they haven't had you know Brennan or Braylon to make plays for them, and and uh, so I'm actually kind of weirdly looking forward to spring football. Uh, and really, it's, it's obviously a very newsy spring football, uh, at OU with with Kirk Venables, and, sure, and yeah, that, but uh. You know, and, and kind of at TU and OSU, you you have got established quarterbacks and, and some changes uh, with the staff. Certainly, new defensive coordinators at TU and OSU. That'll yeah. be and Derek Mason will be obviously a very important guy for them. So, um, I guess that's what you talk about when you're uh, when the Hurricane Sooners and Cowboys are eleven and thirty <laughs> in conference play. You. <laughs> You play the football card, so. You do
0: that or you watch uh, YouTube highlights of Josh Giddey uh, making passes all over the court, so. you
1: watch the 1983 Bedlam game. You
0: know what you got on?
1: Yeah. Yep. I'll resume it here in a bit. Happier Wait. days. Well, we'll Wait. see what
0: happens with the Sooners and Longhorns tonight in Norman. Uh, then we'll talk about that as well as uh, – if nothing else, go watch Max Aesmus make make twenty five footers while you still can. That's hey. what I, that's what I would
1: advise a basketball fan in Tulsa to do. Go out to OU and watch Max while he's still here. But yeah, and I mean, go to the go to OU and kind of sample the new, kind of new and improved Maybe Center. Mm-hmm. You know, they they did a very impressive renovation. Yeah. Of course, the uh, you know the parking area out there for media, you know, where we always park to go in, that's all taped off and fenced off because of the. Uh, construction of the new Mike Carter practice facility that they're building. And that's going to be amazing when they get it done. But, uh, yeah, or is a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. And, you know, and they've kind of, you can't replace a player like Kevin O'Banner, who's had a nice season for Texas tech, but, but, uh, they seem to have, uh, adjusted to life without O'Banner and they're really good. And for, six at home before their conference tournament and uh, yeah, it's an inexpensive ticket and honestly the energy in that building right now quadruples at least quadruples what I'm sensing at the Reynolds Center right now yeah. and so I know that the TU people are just at their wits end to figure out what do we got to do and um, I'll, I'll oh I should say this I got an email yesterday from a from a reader And he said, uh, in response to the TU attendance column, and he said, it's interesting. Uh, He's a small business owner. He's a TU grad. His wife is a TU grad. His top two employees are TU grads. And he has been a season ticket holder for football for 20 years. And he said he has never been contacted ever one time about purchasing basketball tickets. Mm -hmm. And I forwarded that information to Rick Dixon and Rick said give me his name and number and uh, I think I think Rick uh uh called that guy to do some relationship work I hope I hope so too and that's mind-boggling that sounds yeah that sounds like an administrative breakdown crazy yeah so yeah. <laughs> anyway I'll, I'll quit rambling about football and, and uh Oklahoma always I, good to talk football well yeah I mean so I'm, uh, I'm telling you though i bixby at Owasso in the first real tackle football game in oklahoma this year it'll be bixby at Owasso, oh and i think they'll move it to a thursday night and the last i heard they were nego- negotiating to have it televised on espn and bixby's going for 50 in a row so that's a pretty good first yeah football game of the year for the state of oklahoma Sounds like we'll be talking football next week. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) We'll see.
0: We'll see what happens. All right. right. Uh, Thanks very much for tuning in, folks. Uh, Again, whether you watch us or listen to us via Apple, Spotify, or Google, we'll keep cranking it out. Garen for Bill, have a good week, and we'll talk to you soon.